Django, I cannot wait to see what you got me for Christmas this year. You're going to... Can I tell you something? It's a job. What? Here's my expectations. Did you get me a job? I got you I got you a J-O-B. What is it? It's just like an office thing that you have to go to that you're supposed to hate for about eight or nine hours a day. <laughs> you get a, you get enough of a break to, to smoke. I don't want that. Well, we don't get to choose our own gifts, chump. Django, <laughs> I'm, these are my expectations for everyone else's gifts for me this year. My expectation for yours is way up here. That job thing right. you described is weird. I don't know, but I bet if it's my Christmas gift from you, that it's good. Uh, I... I, I think you'll dig it. I, I will tell you that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you when you get it. Oh. I'll tell you when you get it. Some time went into it. Uh, some love oh, went God. into it. I hope that you didn't actually get me a gift. Jenga, that was all a game J-O-B. I was playing because I know that you hate gift giving during You're Christmas. the only person I have a gift for so far. Woo! <laughs> Place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 296, the final episode of the year. Before the three of us crawl into a little winter hibernation. Yep, that's true. On this comic podcast, we all sleep together in a kind of weird wintry cave thing. It's certainly not made entirely out of ice, a lot of dirt as well. When we're not sleeping together in that cool, damp place, uh, we're reading an entire buttload of comics at our comic shop that we run, which is why we feel authorized or at all entitled uh, to do this podcast. No, we don't need an excuse. We just like each other. (laughs) Um, When we come on this podcast to talk to each other about stuff. Uh, I'm Jeff. I do probably the most talking on the podcast. I'm Django. I am right in the middle. I'm Roman. I do the most sleeping on the podcast. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It is true. And it's funny because it sounds like a thing that you couldn't be. And yet... Over the many years that we've been doing this. Hey, who wants to do a guess? How long have we been doing this? Five 17 years? years. Five years? Six years? Five 17. years? 17. What is that? About 300 episodes and we're it and we do one this, a week. Started Six in years? the current. I think it started right after we moved into the new shop. 5.76923307 years. No, so we, we started this podcast in 1963. Same as Doctor Who. Guys, I've never done anything as long as I've done this podcast. Really? You've been I don't know. Working, working with the shop the and dating your fiance for longer than this podcast. Actually, I've only been dating my fiance for a couple months. You've been wiping yeah. your ass almost as long as you've been doing this podcast. You've been breathing longer than this podcast. I've been playing the guitar. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a guitar player. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Guys, this is a comics podcast. That's right. You can, <laughs> here's our email from Will Elmer. Happy episode 296. Four more until 300, but zero more until you guys get to take a well-deserved break for the holidays. Thanks, Will. Um, I was thinking a lot about Christmas. I know I've already asked about Christmas, but we're doing it again. Um, This isn't necessarily a question, or maybe it is. I guess we'll find out. We'll see where I'm going with this, Um, because I don't even know where I'm going with this. But, um, you know, I was thinking about what I would really like from my friends at the comics place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast slash new directions um (laughs) is a couple of things what i would love is for django to make us 
lists as many um, <laughs> you know, top three, top five, top 10 lists as he can. Just start cranking out lists, make lists of lists and lists about lists about lists that you um, have disliked making in the past. <laughs> I'd also love it if Jeffrey maybe would allow Django oh, to chant. Oh. Maybe he can even chant one of those <laughs> lists. Oh. I love it when Django chants, but we know that Jeff hates it. And that would be an amazing Christmas gift. And, you know, Roman, um, you know, I guess I just love it if you could say something nice about Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> the guy has had, you know, a tough time. And I know he could use your support and your love and <laughs> all that you can show him. But seriously, what do you guys want for Christmas? What wild outlandish thing do you want from each other to make your Christmas holidays amazing? Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Love you, Will. Um, that's a great question. Somehow I knew it was going to involve Django chanting. Um, <laughs> hey, Django. What? What is what? A, do you remember the least favorite list you've ever had to make? No, I just have a hard time with them because... I don't think you can honestly rank most art in that way. I, I'll make unordered lists all day. You want my top 100 things? I'll give you my top 100 things. But I can't say my number one and number 10 definitively. What's your favorite thing? I don't know. Is it like fucking watermelon? Is it comic books? Is it sex? He's a man who Is likes to fuck watermelon. Indiana Jones? Like, I don't know. I think that's a good list of things for Django. I actually would probably throw sex out. Watermelon, Indiana Jones. <laughs> and Comic books. Quattro formaggios. Quattro formaggio. Sandwiches in general. Yeah, sandwiches in general. They're out there for me. Like, yeah, huff and okay. gas. Roman, do you have uh, do you have something nice to say about Brian Michael Bendis, Roman? You know, he's got a great name. Mm. Just Brian Michael Bendis. That's such a solid, strong name. Man knows his way around a razor too. If you know it's, what a name, I mean. it's a name you want to trust. <clears throat> uh, Django, have you, have you have you considered it? Oh, I trust him. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would trust him as a person. I, 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 I trust him with my life, but I don't right. want to read his comics. Would you, you trust, trust him, him to make children? a comic you don't want? <laughs> uh, I still say, oh, you know, I still like his Ultimate Spider-Man. That was great. Oh, it was great, Django. What would you like to chant for me? Would you like to? In, would Gosh. you like to make I, me I, pure I, an I, entire chant? Gosh, I want to. You know what I want for Django? Hmm. I, I want a, I want an Indiana Jones themed chant. Just hmm. everything you love about Indy in a chant. He can't make up new chants. He just don't make them. I just the... oh well, I want you to write one. I've just I've just dedicated them to memory, Roman. <laughs> I'll sit here and listen to one of your stupid, stupid chants, farm boy. <laughs> Man, <laughs> when the foxes in the bottle, where the Tweedle Beetles battle with their paddles on the puddle, and the noodle eating poodle. This is what they call a Tweedle Beetle Noodle Poodle Paddle Battle Bottle Muddle Puddle. <laughs> I liked that one. A little, a little bit of Dr. Seuss for you. Was that was that Seuss? Yeah, it was. It was uh, from Fox and Socks. Oh, used to have that on tape. I memorized um, it. One of the of. things I don't like about Chance Django, if you want to get into your sack of memories, um, there was a day that we were listening to the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album, and like Anthony Kiedis goes into like a spoken word poem and a song. <laughs> and listening to that, I was like, what? You know, what is some of the stuff I don't like about this? But it's like. <laughs> It's the forced intonation to make it sound natural when mm -hmm. it's not <clears throat> that I also notice in chance. And it's like, well, the family fantasy and the family fantasy. It's like, you're not, those aren't natural. You're not me. You don't mean those. But it's just asshole. a song without music. Like, I mean, not all songs, but a lot of songs are the same kind of thing, right? Like they have to fit it into the intonation and, and the tones of the song. 
and get the the thing across. But if they just said it out loud, it wouldn't sound right. Well, Jan- well, I agree. It's the saying it out loud that makes it not sound. Okay, right. I'll do a chant. You you're really good at guitar. You should put some guitar behind it. I'm really good. Maybe at it. bass. I. Uh... <laughs> But you just said a chant is like a song without music, and I haven't thought of it that way. I thought of it was a, a way of getting an idea across rhythmically. Mm. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, maybe I can give them a little bit more credit if <laughs> I'm thinking of them that way. Yeah, and it's also, I kind of think of them as kind of a form, a form of poetry, too. It's I don't understand iambic pentameter well enough to compare, but I kind of liken it to that. It is. Yeah. Dr. Seuss is iambic pentameter. But that's that same thing of like slam poetry. I don't. The door went out there. And it's like, you didn't mean that way that you just said that, you prick. <laughs> that's right. This is a comic book podcast. Uh, what would be your favorite comic book gift to get for Christmas? Hmm. Mine? Yeah. Favorite like what's in the gift. entire world of the realm of comic books? What would you want the most and kind of remove monetary value from it? Like, like, a, like a fantasy so you could resell it or let's, you know, let's no, like, like, like a shadow comic uh, that I don't have from the, from the forties. Okay. <clears throat> like if it, if it's tied specifically to comic books, that, that would be, that's um, there's not a ton of those, right? Well, I don't know. There's probably 60. I don't have. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, they're, they're not, uh, yeah, not easy to find. I, I pretty much buy one if I find it under a couple hundred bucks, usually. Roman, what would be yours? Boy, Any was... type of comic-related thing. DVD I've always, I've always, wanted, a, of a TV I've always wanted a nice copy of um, Incredible Hulk number one. But, mm. And that would be cool to have, but would be even an experience? Something like, I don't know, hanging out with Liam, Liam Sharp and mm. talking about like Jack Kirby original art that one of us has for some reason. <laughs> Do you think Liam has some? Maybe he has. I think he has a lot of Kirby influence in his art. Man, I would say Kirby original art, but I, I would I would say my my dream comic gift would be some type <clears> of <throat> Frank quietly pencil on paper, like some some hand, some proof of physical paper that Frank quietly has a hand and puts visual information on. He touched it. Exactly. I want him to touch it. You guys, let's talk about comic books. But I got a real. I got a real special one to kick it all off. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Man, we were born ready for this. I've been ready for... This is my top number one thing that I've been ready for today. Oh, my God. I love it. That and that nap you took. (laughs) Yeah, that was was number two. Oh, that sandwich sounds good. That Um, was number three. Oh, oh, was that yesterday? Sandwich? Anyway. I had a burrito today. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. Roman. Yes. Of the two of you, I think there's only one chance one of you read this book. Did either of you read Miles Morales, number one? Yes. I'm Django. I I didn't. I also <laughs> did not read all of it. Can oh. you? Can you? I'm not. I don't want to talk about the story itself. Can you feel it right now? Can you open it up? Yes. There are multiple pages that have the thick cardstock in it, and then there are other pages with not that. <laughs> yeah, and it's in the beginning of the book. And the first few pages, I kept on like, you know, squeezing the page between my thumb and forefinger and trying to turn it because I thought it was two pages stuck yeah. together. <laughs> the second page and therefore second to last page are thicker yeah. than cover stock material. And maybe the third one is cover stock material. And then all the others are normal. It it absolutely uh, blunder bunged me. I was blunder bunged. Weird. Yeah, Django, you got to get your mitts on one of these. Uh, just as three guys who huh. have touched a lot of comic books in our lives never experienced something like this. Absolutely blutterbunged. Yeah, and I wonder if 
all the copies were like this because like the last page is also that thick so when they were they were the machine or whatever that was collating comic pages and slapping them together you know for some reason there was some thicker stock in like one batch <laughs> it's it's crazy all right anyway that was really boring i <laughs> hey, uh roman did you like that issue um or were you blutterbunged the whole time i was blutterbunged the scorpions in it though and miles fights the scorpion for the first time um i'm just glad he's back in his his cool original costume i, I think it's know. his original costume he spent way too much time in that black and red jumpsuit like yeah, you know the, like track up mask thing yeah, yeah. um it's funny though. I don't really don't remember quite a lot about what this story was. Yeah, it was an okay story. Okay. Um, kind of underwhelming for a first issue of this new series. Yeah, and I'm not familiar with the creative team. Um, I I would I'd love to be excited about a Miles book, but I started it and after being totally and maybe I was just sort of in a blutterbung spiral, you know, like a blutterbung hole. Um, but it I was just sort of unable to get past that, and I thought, no, Miles, listen, you're not doing it for me, and I put put you away. Even though he's my favorite, I love him. Yeah, and it's a uh... Cody Ziegler, Corey, Cody Ziegler, whatever. So maybe writer. he's done some stuff that we liked. Yeah, he's a Marvel, Marvel, usual Marvel dude. Okay. Um, well, well, give me a score so that we can then uh, get into some of the good stuff. I just gave it a seven. Okay, I like it. Seven o'clock. Uh, hang on. Can you guys hold on a second? I'm uh, in the middle of writing an email to uh, Diamond asking for a freight credit on that heavier paper stock. Yeah, definitely. Okay. The Penguin, okay, the I'm Penguin Random now. House, though. Um, oh, free shipping? Joke's free shipping. on them. Yeah. Um, okay, guys, if I were to say he fell from the moon, <laughs> would you know what I'm talking about? Because holy crap. Yes. <laughs> I sure would. And I sure fucking love this comic. Batman. What number was this? 130 by Chip Zdarsky and uh, Jorge Jimenez. He fell, <sighs> from, a, he fell from a planet. He fell Dude, from a planet. At the end of the last issue... The watchtower has been blown up and Batman is just floating out in space. And by the end of page seven of this, you will believe that a human being can fall out of space and land on Earth and survive. It's so good. (laughs) To that point, like, I just love that even if you can't believe it, it demands that you get into comic book logic. Yeah, swallow it. Yeah, it's I was sort of like, do I could the, the cape? Ah, And then I was like, you know what? This is a comic book. I'm not looking at this stuff for like, tell me a nonfiction story with Batman. You know, like, (laughs) that's not why I'm here. Uh, And I love that bit of comic booking. That was just some like awesome superhero stuff. Yeah, it was it was so well done. I I think last week we were talking about how uh, Zdarsky, Chip Zdarsky has has some kind of like science background or studied science at least in Hmm. high school, I think. But you can tell there's enough science in here. that you can suspend disbelief. It's like, okay, yeah, if anybody could do it, you know, Batman or, or mm-hmm. maybe, maybe James Bond, possibly. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking reading this, I was like, I want to see this in a movie and it would have to be Bond <laughs> or Batman or mission impossible. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, but I'm sick of Tom Cruise. Yeah. He looks so pissed after he lands. <laughs> like <laughs> he's just standing there in yeah. the snow glowering. Um, yeah, it's one of those classic glowers where you can see his little black pupils yeah, through, the, the, through the white. The lenses have broken and shit. Dude, it, it was just also, such a well-done scene. I love that he passed out in the middle of it. And, yeah. and, and he landed right next to the Fortress of Solitude. Like, what <laughs> luck? Yeah, yeah. No, hey, that wasn't luck. He calculated luck. Yeah. all of that. Yeah, Because yeah. he's Batman. 
Yeah, dude. yeah. It's funny. I was getting sick of this failsafe story, but me too. Just it was going. I on. loved this. I'm so yeah. glad. And I almost didn't pick it up, but I love this issue because failsafe's not really in it much. No, I mean it's the resolution of that issue. So again, spoilers yeah. for everything that we're going to be talking about this week. I say again as if I already said that we haven't, but we do spoil things. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm Jeff. No, I already did that. But <laughs> yeah, Django. I had like again, I forgot my DC books twice, I guess. But I ha- didn't have this the very first night, and Django was like, "Well, I'm not going to spoil anything. We got to read this before you open up tomorrow." So I went in and butt chugged it in the back before we opened, and yeah, I was very happy that Django had made that call for me. And the the just like the 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 team up getting dressed hype scene with Batman and Robin mm-hmm. where they they put on their masks and and run out to go battle failsafe and then the cliffhanger at the end is excellent too like failsafe is yeah. done but Batman's furged but we didn't like failsafe is not done he just flew away he just flew like, off like yeah, he left off, yeah. I just love that like resolution but you better be back at some point and program and program yeah and also great. Great Tim Drake moments, and I yep. feel like we haven't had some great Tim Drake moments in a while. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just like the, when they the double shot of them both putting on their masks has this great sort of like you know Saturday morning cartoon vibe. But I also just loved when Bruce was said something to the effect of like he's a great sidekick, you know, like Dick never practiced or something, or no, you know, or like was too independent, and Jason never practiced, but Tim always studied and like you know it was just like i loved even just that little bit of dissecting the difference in personality of the robins there it was fantastic yeah yeah that was great mm. yeah and the backup story was pretty good i don't know if you got to that before i didn't this, Jeff, but <laughs> is it the final issue of that zurin r year one yeah yeah and it's basically batman talking to zurin r and uh like hallucinating the Joker at the same time, or maybe not hallucinating the Joker, maybe actually fighting the Joker and battling with Zurinar in his head at the same time, where Zurinar is just like, kill him, dummy. And Batman's like, no, I can't kill him. But like that, that. And it even includes like a, a new deeper origin for the yellow oval. Yeah. And his bat symbol. I mean, they what always had, it? they always had an origin that it was to draw enemy fire, but mm-hmm. Batman in this says, well, that's a secondary reason. Maybe that'll work, but he has a better reason for it. Because he saw it on Zurinar. Yeah. In his mind. That was the first place that he saw it. Yeah. 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 He's like, hmm, it's a good reminder. I love that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Super good. Just like as iconically good as a periodical comic book could be. Like, I mean, it was, it was kind of slowing down a little bit until this but like this issue was just perfect it was the best part of superhero comics in an ongoing format i feel like yeah yeah i agree i gave I'd it a nine a, five i did too so did i oh so nice. what is it about it that it didn't give it a 10 for many of us you guys i don't know i haven't i haven't been given tens lately i don't know why i don't love the entire failsafe thing okay i think that's probably in there for me too and 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 it's almost like uh, the same problem I have with cosmic stuff, right? Like it's the power set is a little too unbelievable, which okay. is silly to say after you just watch Batman fall from space. Um, <laughs> <Hell> to the <clears throat> <back>. <laughs> But I think it's, I, I think I also don't feel like Chip is necessarily writing this to be read issue by issue. I think it's going to be a much better trade than it is issues, I, that's a really which is point. a bummer to me. This issue is almost perfect but everything leading up to it like i've been lost at the beginning of every issue yeah yeah it has been just kind of a chase scene i think that's probably true that's a good good way yeah um hey what's something exciting that you guys did that you want to talk about now did like red yeah sure 
Well, I mean, do we want to stay on the Batman thing? Yeah, do it. I didn't read this other one, but tell me about it. The, the Gotham City Year One, issue number oh, three. You know, actually, I, I read only one DC book this week. Oh, wow. Uh, Roman, did you read this one? Uh, yes. Gotham City Year One. This has, th- this just gets more and more um, HBO Perry Mason to me. Um, dark, kidnapped babies, shitty people in this time period. And uh, you're talking about Roman? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, quiet down, quiet down. Uh, we get we get to meet Sam Bradley's mother, I think, who is a black woman. I don't know if that's in canon up till now. Um, and we get some some of his secret origin. And it looks like maybe the Court of the Owls is going to tie into this somehow, which I think is pretty cool. Um, just wonderful crime noir f- and, and detective solving from Tom King, our, your friend and mine, Tom King. There's even the, the page with all the bar neon, which I think is very important to a story <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah yeah who is uh why did you think that woman was his mom because he calls her ma and he even and and she like tells him he can't smoke in there and he's sorry ma it won't happen again she might not be his mom but he calls her ma the whole yeah. time yeah i thought that was some kind of huh interesting i thought that was just some kind of nickname but could well be his mom yeah i don't know i i didn't think it was until he until she like touched his face at the end of telling him he can't smoke in there and he called her ma again yeah yeah, I don't know. Though it's weird when he walks into her place on that great page where it's it's he he pushes aside the bead curtain and the beads mm-hmm. are taken. Up. That's a beautiful page. But she says, "Oh, I guess because she hasn't looked up yet, because she just says welcome, brother.'" Yeah, uh, think. and then she and uses it, his full name, Samuel Taylor Bradley. Yeah, and I noticed that, uh, and I saw this afterwards on the cover. She's on the cover, and her um, her brooch that's holding her scarf—it's the symbol that Dr. Occult uses, which is another golden age Sam character around the same time as Slam Bradley. Huh. Yeah. And I was like, how is she tied in Dr. Occult? Is that supposed to be the Dr. Occult Man. clue or hint or Good coincidence? I don't know. But this yeah, guy's this like was... a walking file cabinet of papers that have information on them, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> mm, this is such a, yeah. Great film noir issue. I mean, God, and, and it's funny that's in some of the art, I don't know if we mentioned this with the last issue of this, but some of the art slam looks so much like Robert Mitchum. <laughs> yeah. I love a character that looks like Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Yeah. Geez. Like top, top 10 favorite film references. Um, I wouldn't mind a little more connection to talking to Bruce, which he did at the very end of the first issue. Um, Cause I feel like we, well, we only have, I think six issues of this one. It'd be nice to have a little bit more touchstone of, of why he's telling this to someone modern. But uh, other than that, I think it's, it's a pretty, pretty elegant and excellent series. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think there was, I agree with all that. And, and with the little more touchstone with Bruce, I think there's one moment here in his narration where he, where he's, he uses Bruce's name. It's like, Oh, that's right. He's talking to Bruce Wayne. <laughs> throughout yeah. this whole series <laughs> yeah yeah uh well i give this one a 9.0 dang gosh i gave it a 9.0 as well hey jinx hey speaking of file cabinets mm-hmm. did you guys read thanos death notes yes Mm-mm. well it was phenomenal but uh the framing device for this series is it's three short stories with the frame device of thor having gone to a place that thanos like used to his office or something <laughs> went, yeah, he went to back to Titan where Thanos was born. Yeah. 
and he goes to like Thanos' dad's office, but there's a whole bunch of file cabinets with like manila folders with like tabs with names on them. And I just laughed out loud <laughs> a little bit at the idea of Thanos, Thanos or Thanos' dad using file cabinets and uh, a folder system. That's awesome. I know that like, was pretty funny, especially because yeah. on Titan they had like the living, I forget what they called it, the living computer brain AI that ran everything on the planet. Nope, nope, just the file cabinets in here. <laughs> uh, that one yeah. on the bottom left sticks. You got to kick it first. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a weird artistic choice of like so much imagination and creativity, but like, you know, here's uh <laughs> it's just here's the file cabinet. Just earth the, file cabinets. The DC tab there. So I thought that was kind of funny going into it, but there it's got some shorts in it. The first one is written by Chris Cantwell with art by Travel Foreman. Ooh. And it just shocked me at how good I thought it was. That sounds great. Yeah, it was great. And and it's a sequel to the story in Iron Man 55, Thanos' first appearance. Which is really cool. Iron Man, like, punched a Thanos bot, and it was a Thanos bot, and he's about to destroy it back at his lab, and the Thanos bot, like, goes on this sort of, like, it, it activates, and it... <sighs> Roman, how would you describe what he does? The Thanos bot? Yeah. Um, well, now, now Django introduces the show with that whole AI thing. And yeah, that's the battle spot. It's, the AI wakes up and kind of has a philosophical conversation with Tony Stark. Um, where he, he says that like they're living in a simulation created by Thanos. Yeah. And if Tony and like if Tony Stark destroys this bot, then Thanos will endlessly torture Tony and everyone he loves till the end of time. And there's all these great pages and then they yeah like Roman says they get in this philosophical discussion basically of like well is this true or not uh-huh yeah and and it's there's no conclusion on if it's true or not and it kind of ends with tony just thinking well if this is true i just gotta live with this knowledge for the rest of my life <laughs> and <laughs> never is... really tell anybody else because it's too freaky yeah, it's just the idea. So then, like, you know, retroactively pl planting this thing in Tony that, like, he has seen or heard of this possible future where Thanos rules everything and is a god and is endlessly torturing. He's, like, sawing everybody in half endlessly. It's travel <laughs> foreman, brutal art. But it's, like, a horrific notion. And I just love that Tony's, like, but now I'll secretly carry the burden of this possible nightmare for the rest of my life. They're like, damn. damn, Christopher Cantwell. That's pretty uh, good. And in the second story, I looked at the credits at the beginning, and I was like, oh, it's J. Michael Straczynski and Jeff Shaw. Like, J. Michael Straczynski doesn't have a lot of hits these days. Yeah. yeah. And this one I thought was fantastic. Huh. Roman, did you like this one? I'm flipping through it to refresh my memory. It's um, the it's like death. Yeah. Basically, it shows Thanos' first love, who existed before he was in love with death, and they like were on the ship, and there was an attack on it and they were out of life support and there was only enough, there was enough for both of them to make it one day, but they were two ways, days away from home. So she sacrifices herself and dies so that he can live. And it's, this just like really, I don't know. I just really believed the romance of those two as impossible as it seemed in this really selfless gesture. But then he kind of misinterprets his grand goal and this idea that, you know, she knew that he was supposed to be this world destroyer. So now he's like, I'm going to go fuck everybody up and destroy the world. And you kind of see these scenes of her saying, you know, like kind of looking off in the afterlife saying like, no, no, my love, you've learned the wrong lesson. No, where you are, my dear heart, please. Where are you? My love. It's, uh, 
it's awesome. I loved that one. It's very, it's very sad. I mean, I mean, I'm not it's sure really quite, sad. Quite sure what uh, what was the lesson he was supposed to learn? Just about self sacrifice, and instead he goes the other direction. And yeah, it's, it's everything else has to be killed. Just basically the idea of love existing and being willing to sacrifice yourself for somebody else. And and I don't know the strict idea of what lesson he did learn, but I just love the idea of him not really ever being able to healthily process anything. You know, like he's not going to like the you're reading the story about you're like, I don't know, could Thanos actually be in love? And um, no, not really functionally. No. Yeah. Yeah. He needs a good therapist. He needs a good therapist. We should call Victor and see if he's got room for a Thanos. Of course, even a great, even the best therapist in the world won't do any good if, you know, you don't commit to it. Yeah. You I need doubt, to want I doubt. Yeah. I doubt Thanos would commit to the, the process. Uh, I thought the weakest story in here was the, uh, sadly, was the uh, Kyle Starks one, which was just fine. But it was just like a bar brawl. Yeah, it was fine. The best thing about it is it's Ron Lim artwork. And, you know, after his run on Silver Surfer, I think the best Thanoses are drawn by Ron Lim and Jim Starlin, of course, originally. It's it's a situation where I do really like Ron Lim's art. He does a lot of, like, covers and stuff that I don't like because it, like, in its newer, modern, saturated, big color stuff, it doesn't work mm-hmm. as well for his kind of, like, galactic space art of the 70s or whatever. But, yeah, I, I think it worked yeah. well here. Yeah, there's a couple pages where Thanos, like, leaps off this platform and yeah. and lands on a guy. And it's just, it's just great. A couple great Thanos panels there. <laughs> yeah, so I gave bulky. I gave the issue a nine. It I it kept expecting to bail out at any point. Like I was like, okay, that first story was good. That's probably the only good one. Straczynski, let's start it. And I, I immediately got into it. So uh, really, if you like Thanos, I would highly recommend it. The art's really great. Um, but it also feeds into this story that's going to then be taking place in Thor uh, twenty nine, which is you know sounds relatively exciting. I like. I kind of forgot that like. Oh my! Pardon me. That? I don't know. What was, was that? It was the gra- like digital interference or something. It was um, the grasshoppers in my throat. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I hope we get to see some more Thanos stuff. He's. I don't want him always around, but he's kind of in some weird liminal space. Maybe he's dead. Maybe he's not dead. But I, we. I forgot that Donny Case introduced that idea that he saw like the end of a reality early in that run, and like Thanos had enslaved everybody and was. So we haven't really ever seen that come together, and I don't know if Donny Case is ever coming back to Thor. So yeah, and it. Uh, I gave it a seven point five. Um, and one of the names that Thor find, one of the files Thor finds is uh, uh, Bor or Bor, whatever his last name is, his grandfather, basically Odin's dad. Oh, and, I didn't and, know that name. Yeah, and, Thor, and Thor's kind of like, what? What does my grandpa have to do with Thanos? Which leads into the this week's issue of Thor, which is continued from this Thanos issue. Oh, did you read it? Was it good? Is that the issue of Thor that it came from? Yeah, tell me. Yeah, yeah, it, it was good. It was. Uh, I liked it. I liked it better than the uh, Thanos issue. Really, oh, what um, happened? Ooh, well, it reminded us. It reminded me anyway that Thor has a little sister, a little baby sister that came hmm. that was in War of the Realms and appeared like once before that. And I completely forgot about it. Oh, right, that whole McElroy story was them like taking care of that baby. Yeah, and Thanos War of Realms. Yeah, yeah, and Thanos is old uh henchman um what's his name corvus glaive uh kidnaps thor's little baby sister and takes her away so thor has to go after her and with the help of the original um runa the original valkyrie who was like now in command of the desir which are the undead valkyrie the original ones so they had to go rescue his sister and it ties into the thanos information he learned and add some more information and and there's a big old cliffhanger at the end because oh grandpa 
Thor's granddaddy shows up, who's nice. supposed to be long, long dead. Okay, well, heck yeah, I'll probably dip into that. Um, what was your score for that one? Eight point five. Hell yeah, Django. We monopolized the conversation for a while. You want? Can you tell me some stories about some comics you read that you know I didn't read? Oh, buddy, I'm sure there's yeah. a ton. Yeah, I read It's Only Teenage Wasteland by Kurt Pyers and Jacoby. S- oh, I read that Alessido. one. Oh, you did? Yeah. I Let's liked talk it. about it. I'm I sorry it. I'm not following instructions very well. No, you're great. Yeah. And it's named, I don't know if you know, but it's named after a Led Zeppelin song. It, that Led Zeppelin song? No, it's The Who. Yeah, no, I just wanted to see who. Ah, <laughs> you got me. Uh, that song has been stuck in my head uh, every time I see this title. I'm going to put what should be my last comment first. Um, and I'm going to say that my fingers smeared the ink on this pretty bad, uh-huh. um, but story-wise, I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, we had a, an interesting kind of sci-fi cold open, and then we've got, uh, like a high school crew who's getting ready to have a party at their, uh, at one of the kids' mom's house or parents' house while they're out of town. And it's just like, it's like all your favorite stuff out of, you know, super bad or something like that. And then there's a crazy sci-fi twist at the end. And I thought it did a really good job of setting up the characters. You didn't really know who's going to end up being the the people that we follow. And it looks like maybe we're just going to follow this one dude. Um, and I thought that his, um, his character was really well done and his sexuality was addressed in a, in a way that was just like, yeah, this is, here's this dude. It wasn't, uh, didn't seem to be making a point. It was just, sort of the story i love the way they introduced it also like he's laying there and he's looking at porn and it's like a girl and he looks bored and then he finds this like male male female porn starts jerking off um and uh i just like i don't know so he, clearly he's in a stage where he hasn't fully identified or he's not totally comfortable with it or whatever and he's still like figuring it out himself um and then his yeah his mom walks in and gets caught <laughs> And like, I don't know, it was a funny way to tackle one issue, but then also just kind of make a whole parental relationship thing. I totally spaced the first page of story while then reading the rest of the comic. Well, that's fair because it happens on the inside front cover. Right. Which is a a bad idea. Dark Horse has been doing. Yeah. Um, What's the deal with everything jumping to the future at the end and it's the apocalypse? Seems like it's happening everywhere. I think it's probably on people's minds right now, Jeff. Yeah, you're right. Things have been rough. (laughs) I'd like to see just a real boring, quiet road trip movie set you thirty years in the trip. future, like or thirty years in the past. With show, show me, show me bones and all, but just mm. uh, in the future, a real boring future. I just loved that whatever this is gonna be didn't. It was a whole successful issue not being that here, which was yeah. just like a bunch of kids whose parents are gone and they're gonna have a party and there's social dynamics and it sets it up really well like you're yeah. reading a less funny clueless you know yep yeah i kind of hope that we never see any of his high school friends again and, and it's just him on this adventure um and what we know about him is that he won't get in a fight and he's kind of a like he's he's not the coolest kid he's a coward a long shot he's, he's a little bit of a coward yeah um but yeah good good comic i'd give it a solid eight for it's only teenage wasteland number one i gave it an eight also Django. wow we're just we're just synced up, bro. Yeah, I'm like JT, and you're like Chris Kirkpatrick, and we got Roman Shazes over here. But Django, do tell me a story about a comic here that I didn't actually read. Okay, comic you didn't actually read. I'll bet you didn't read Earth Divers number three. No, I didn't read it. Are you reading that book? Yeah, it's good, man. Is Roman reading it? Roman, I am, but I missed this issue. Oh, oh. well, it's a it's a solid solid comic. Um, oh, Django. 
Oh, what? Before we get into that and move away from that past book, I just wanted to mention, so that artist or that writer did the book Pop, which we talked about, but I looked him up. He also did Olympia, which I liked a lot. Oh, yeah. That was oh, that one about, that's like, probably the, why you associate him with Grant Morrison so much, because that was kind of Morrisonian, isn't it? And Kirby-esque and Pop, he, like, he has characters named after Quitely and Morrison. Um, I can't place Pop. Um, oh, I, I, the, I also can't search Pop. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he also did, uh, that book weird or word W Y R D. Oh, okay. You remember okay. It was like a spy. It was a thing. I don't know if it finished. I think we got two of four issues or three of four issues. Maybe. Yeah. You might be right. You might be right. Um, anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to derail everything with that, but I just, I wanted to close that loop. No, that's a, that's a good loop to close. I'm going to send the cover to you right now. Okay. Of pop. Mm -hmm. I just found it. I had to add his name. Okay. I'm just saying searching pop in a point of sale system at a comic book store gets it's a bunch not going to work. Go yeah. funk. Okay. Sorry, but you uh, please go into what you were saying. Oh, I just think this earth divers is a really interesting story where, uh, what is it? Like four native uh, characters send one of their buddies into a cave to go back in time and kill Christopher Columbus so that the world doesn't suck in the, huh. in the near future. And, uh, well, that's a way cooler concept than the term Earth Divers would have made me think. Yeah, it, they, they set it up pretty well in the first issue. Um, and the guy that they sent back, they chose him because he knows Italian and French, maybe. Like, he knows the languages that he would need. But he's also kind of dumb as fuck and keeps speaking in the wrong language and getting caught and almost keel-hauled. And, like, it doesn't understand, like, the the superstitions of the time. So like when he, uh, when he tells them, Oh no, look, I can prove it. And he tells them about a meteor that's going to happen because he read about it in the history books. They think he's a witch and they tie him up like just, just like everything's going wrong for this guy in the past. And then meanwhile, in the present, uh, we've got good adventures going on, like pretty intense adventures going on in the desert, the, the future wasteland desert with these, uh, other three characters. And I like this book more and more as it goes on, which is not usually the case with like a <laughs> IDW book. like a mid mid tier sci fi book. Yeah. So that's cool. I, that sounds way better than I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, when you're I would, I would recommend too. it. I am. I am. I, I'm. I'm disappointed. I I forgot to get this issue this week. Mm. I'm gonna give um, it a seven and a half, and I I think. I don't think that you would be remiss in uh, grabbing those other three issues. I think. Well, I got to read Batman like, like Venom or, and I got to read Batman Snow. What about Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo? Oh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to read that unless you strong sell me on it. Did you read that one, Roman? Nope. What is this? A fucking buckshot? I thought it was pretty good. What did you guys read? What? It's Mark Silvestri. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about it. <laughs> sell me pretty on it. Good. Like the art. I like even more than I liked in the first issue. The uh, Batman, it's like Batman and the Joker have to team up because someone has made like super Joker werewolf kind of things. And And so after they escape from them, Batman throws the Joker in the Batmobile. Batman's super messed up. He's on he's on the verge of death and he throws the Joker in the Batmobile and tells the Batmobile to keep him uh, keep the Joker captive and then he passes out and when they get back to the Batcave Alfred turns off the lights pulls Batman out of the car and then leaves the Joker in the car while they fix Batman 
for like 14 hours and the Joker's just sitting tied up in the Batmobile in the dark. And I thought that was pretty cute. Um, and then the, the very last few panels have some pretty scary stuff with, uh, this tissue sample that they pulled out of Batman or the Joker. It was like a tooth and part of a gum. They have it in like this little liquid tank to preserve it. And it starts growing and cracking the glass. And I think there's going to be a Joker monster that like grows out of this tiny little sample in the bat cave i'm pretty excited to see that i think it's it's good like like batman horror which we don't get a ton of that done really well and this is this is this feels like seven with werewolves to me wow that sounds cool yeah it's just it kind of reminds me of a thing we get fairly often which is kind of like the the artist special out of continuity batman joker story like, yeah, we got that like Batman Dark Prince Charming a couple of years ago. There was like, you know, the Italian artist that Jim Lee had gotten. And I don't know. I think the difference is, though, some of them are good and some of them are bad. Yeah. Like you could put it in that category. And I think this one is a good take on that, where that Dark Prince Charming was not especially a real interesting take. on. Yeah. It. And certainly not the entire genre of them is not good. It's just they... They cannot excite me sometimes unless I hear that it's good, which it sounds like this one is. And I do like Sylvester's I, art. I think it's good. I think if, if you uh, pretend that David Fincher's directing this one, uh, I give it an eight. I love the Finch master. Uh, hey, Roman, speaking of buckshots, go 90 seconds. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do a powerbomb number seven. It's the last yeah. issue of the series. And it was pretty freaking awesome. Um, our, our, our tag team, they fight God the actual God in the <laughs> ring. Um, and it's great. It ends well. And there's a, it's touching, beautiful ending. Um, I read extreme X-Men number one, which are we, are, do you guys read this? Mm-mm. No. Okay. thought maybe we'd talk about it, but I'll talk about briefly. Uh, it's Chris Claremont. Here's return of the X-Men. Um, but you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't very good. And it's a continuation of the previous extreme X-Men series from years ago. So it oh. has nothing to do with Krakoa, nothing to do with what's going on with the current X world. It's all set, you know, years ago, whenever this extreme X-Men team was around. So, you know, kind of confusing if you're a new reader and you jump on this book and it has nothing to do with the other X books. Um, oh, what else did I read? Captain America Sentinel Liberty number seven was pretty awesome. Continuing that big uh, conspiracy story around the origin of Cap Shield. And now Bucky is with this infiltrated this group and he's trying to take him down to the inside but it puts it at odds with cap and, and and oh it's tense 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 monkey prince number nine another awesome issue it's just fun he's a great new character in dc and i hope he doesn't disappear after this series ends whatever it ends and this issue meets supergirl and of course falls in love with her but she thinks he's an idiot because he's the monkey prince i want to throw a yeah. shout out for monkey prince ashton also loves that book it's so much Still fun reading it and just mentions every time it comes out. He's like, I read the books. Monkey Prince was great. So just supporting <laughs> it's Romans, supporting Romans theory or sorry, uh, opinion, even though Django and I aren't keeping up with it. You guys would have fun with it. Gene Lewin Young. Young. Um, I never heard a timer. It was my thing over. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it went off. Django, <laughs> okay. did you hear it? I didn't hear it. Oh, wow. Okay, it went off. My Zoom, thing must our, have done a little muting thing. There. Our mics are really good at ducking abrupt noises lately which is uh, good sometimes and kind of irritating other times. Um, Monkey Prince, I gave an eight. Captain America, I gave, also gave an eight. Do a power bomb. Um, do, 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 do. I gave a nine. 
actually 9.5 the more i think that was about so it, good it made me cry man <gasps> yeah i don't yeah, know I how he does Jane that tears <laughs> yeah the end oh my gosh and the fight was so good i mean you can tell that uh daniel ward johnson's a wrestling fan yeah the fight made even though they're fighting god it made sense it went the way you know it should go uh it was just so cool and god's a masked wrestler i love that hmm and, i'm and a couple issues behind i can't wait to finish it kind of a butt but not totally a butt as yeah. god would be <laughs> yeah 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 uh what about the uh extreme x-men roman what'd you give that oh <laughs> boy i'm i'm sorry chris claremont if you ever hear this but i gave it a five don't you apologize to that wordy son of a bitch he's basically <laughs> just like a file cabinet full of books yeah there there's you know and he's writing and some people really dig this, but he's writing just like he did back in the day. I don't know and, if he knows and, any other way. And strangely enough, Django, this uh, this is a pretty much a follow up sequel to the old Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries from like 1985. People have been begging <laughs> for that for uh, for 40 years. That dude well, is that, in love with okay, Kitty Pride. Okay, that's what this is then. Um, but there's some dialogue i'm trying to find it it just it made me laugh and it's not supposed to um, dude Django, do you remember the bit where in that cartoons kayfabe interview where claremont goes off about how another writer wrote kitty pride losing her virginity super pissed about it <laughs> yeah i was just like man <laughs> oh here it is there's a scene between gambit and wolverine and it's just wolverine wolverine says to gambit don't push me boy not here not now not hmm. ever and Storm good. has to interrupt to say enough, the both of you. And then later on at the bottom of that page, four panels later, she says enough from the both of you to Wolverine mm-hmm. and somebody else. It's like, oh, come on, Chris. Jeez. Wolverine, <laughs> enough. Uh, you should never represent yourself or edit yourself, I think are the. <laughs> yeah. um, gosh, that's a lot of comics, Roman. That's a lot of comics. Um, a lot of comics this week. Roman, I'm curious, uh, a book that you didn't bring up, but I assume that you read. I'm curious if both of you read um you guys keep it up on fantastic four yes got to get one did you read the first one though right i think so oh yeah the first one was great it was the little twilight zone story yeah that was the second one also twilight zody also a kind of a one-shotty twilight zone where we get kind of a touch on some shit that happened in new york but we're still not getting those answers which i like yeah and this issue focuses on reed and sue so every issue we're slowly finding out where each of the ff are um and this was ryan north ryan north was the one another sciencey type background and he's got a lot of got another damn damn jingle all this ai stuff you mentioned that i didn't know what's going it's on very in the real in vogue world. right now yeah it's all it's all in this comic too it's gonna happen guys we're fucked yeah apparently oh what was that was that your chair that was my chair i'm sorry guys <laughs> um yeah, we basically get them stumbling onto a town that's entirely made of Doom bots that Doom mm. made to take care of this old woman when he was young. She took him in and cared for him. And kind of in one of not a ton of act of compassion, Doom kind of made these Doom bots to protect her. And then they're pro- like, they're the only Doom bots whose primary objective is not to destroy Reed, but in protecting her with this algorithm like she starts to die or something so then one of them like puts her body inside of it and they like kind of realize it when they take its mask off and it's like there's a dead body inside it it's like all skeletoned out and stuff so it's this like bot that is assumed her personality um and they kind of solve the problem and sort of similar to how the thing and felicia or alicia 
uh, solved that other one in the previous issue. Roman, does that feel right to you? Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it, it was very well done. I thought I guessed the twist, but I didn't really. It was much more clever. I kind of guessed the surface of it ah, to kind of make a joke there. Um, but I didn't guess the how deep it was how and how, how, how involved, detailed it was. And I'll also say that, I, you know, I say this whenever there's a Fantastic Four book, but I really like in this issue that Reed and Sue are written as a functional couple. And I think that a lot of people take the easy way out of writing them as like, Reed doesn't care enough about his family and they're always on the struggle because he's a brilliant person. Like, it's just like, ah, you know, like either get them divorced or stay together. But this like failing relationship is not a thing I like reading. He can contain multitudes. Yeah. She's too um, smart to stay with that guy. Yeah. So I like that she loves him and he is worthy of being loved in this story. And it was well done. Is it the same old woman that we saw in another Fantastic Four in the last six months where they went to a doom town and there was an old woman on the outskirts who happened to be the key to the whole thing? Is that maybe in life story? Maybe hmm. there was another doom old lady connection in, I think, it, I think that one was in Latveria, but I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's connected. Hmm. Uh, it didn't seem like they mentioned any other external thing, but perhaps. Hmm. Yeah, and I think this one is a city somewhere in America. Yeah, it was in America. Plus, road trip. Yeah, Ro- plus life. They were all on road life. Trip. Yeah, life isn't life story like a Separate black timeline. black label type of thing. Well, yeah, but Galactus is referenced in it, so why wouldn't this old lady be referenced in it? Because I, because the, you know, one thing I like in this Reed Richards thing. Universal Constant. <laughs> yeah, and also what a little detail they put in here is that doesn't show up very often is because Reed, because of his powers, he just takes his hands and reshapes his face a little bit to make himself look like about 15, 20 years older than he is. So he can pretend to be an old person. He also, in order to find out that there's a body in that robot extends his fingers and puts eyeballs on the ends of all of them. Whoa, that's a new power, isn't it? Yeah. He moves his eyeballs into his fingertips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing some real plastic man type stuff in here. Yeah, yeah it's it's cool. Seems like a bad idea. Ryan North is writing a story <laughs> that like again his guiding principles were that like they're cool, they're accessible, they can do anything and they're fun. Um and he's staying true to that here. It's 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 a fun story to read rather than kind of a dour <laughs> read. <laughs> I meant that. That's my number one favorite joke from tonight so far. Uh, Django, you <laughs> and my cat have a lot of things in common because you both have 90 seconds to tell me a oh story. Oh my God, I'm going to tell you a story about some comics that I read this week that didn't actually come out this week. Ooh. Uh, old Dog, number two. I put this one off for a long time because the first issue was kind of confusing to me and I read it today and i really like it i think declan shalvey is doing something really good and you just have to pay really really close attention because it is a little bit a little bit wonky um i also read night of the ghoul number two and three this week Hell yeah. and that was a lot of reading and it was a lot of frank francisco francovia artwork and i really really liked the way that the the flashbacks got more and more sketchy as you went because the film that you're watching it on gets more and more burned up and by the end it's just like almost unwatchable that's fucking um, awesome the demon inside of the the people is very effectively scary and um you could you could see some of the twists coming but a couple of them caught me off guard um if i had a criticism it would be that people make really fucking dumb decisions in that book. Um, I also read that Texas blood number 19 and 2019 wrapped up the previous 
uh, five issue story and was amazing. Number 20 is the Christmas special. It's a one shot. It's basically the sheriff uh, in his probably late forties hanging out with a kid who is telling a story and the kid is just telling this ridiculous, ridiculous story. Um, you're, you're not getting any of that. Am I getting nope. any, any? Man, I started it far away. I moved it closer to it. I moved it far away nope. again. Dang, didn't, that's didn't a thing. I wonder well, it's if, weird. Could hear Django's chair, but not your alarm. <laughs> yeah, I wonder Definitely if you have some frequencies, but some sort of like audio ducking uh, hmm. setting on on the new Zoom or something. God, I should make sure and credit. Well, sorry, your time is up, buddy. Oh, okay, thanks. Uh, anyway, that that Texas Blood, uh, you know. It, it's got a vampire whose teeth got stand- pulled out and his, his I heard they were all standalone issues, but there was just a five-issue arc that happened? Wait, what's going on? They've never been standalone issues. Oh, I thought no. I was told I could just dip in no, on th- This Christmas issue was a kind of a standalone issue. Maybe I'm yeah, thinking Yeah, this, this one was standalone. Except, you- except the kid in it is, I mean, that's his son, right? That in the first story arc comes yeah. back to town and he's a kind of a journalist or something hmm. yeah. yeah you could dip into any one of those five issue stories jeff like any is, those, those trades are separate enough is newburn all one shots that are unrelated no or like not strict okay. no it's all it's hmm. all building gosh brain's been brain's been I mean, holding you, shit you, wrong. you could probably dip in and out of newburn but there's there's definitely an overarching story there uh old dog i'm gonna give that an eight i'm gonna give night of the ghoul an Eight and a half. I think this is going to be a really good trade for people. Oh, and then I also wanted to mention Night of the Ghoul. That sounds awesome. And it came out the week that I was in Michigan. The first issue did. Oh, yeah. And so I had this gap of things that like I did, like Gotham City year one is another one that like, dang it. Uh, Night of the Ghoul, that much Frank and Villa art. I just wanted to say like, how did that feel? Did did you get tired of it or did it feel awesome to get that much? It felt awesome to get that much because they're also double-sized issues, but they read fast. I... I don't really want to admit this, but reading two issues in a row of like three series this week, because I I just missed a couple issues a few weeks ago. It was pretty cool to sit Mm -hmm. down and see part one and part two of a story or part three and part four of a story or whatever. Like there's there's something to be said for more than 20 pages in in one butt chug. And uh, (laughs) I, I wouldn't say that it's it's like saved me reading comics because I wasn't in danger of stopping, but I liked I liked the experience a lot more than reading one issue. And it feels more daunting, but you don't have that ease in and ease out and slight confusion for mm-hmm. it. So I I think I think I might try to do that a little bit more with books that we're probably not going to talk about every issue on the podcast. Yeah, I had a a week like a month ago or something where I had to read several things. Maybe it was even longer than that. Um where I, had, I read like, you know, wild, dark spaces, wildfire and a couple other things. And it was like, oh, yeah. man, it's nice to read a couple things in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, so what? Eight and a half for Night of the Ghoul, eight for Old Dog. I'm going to give both issues of that. Well, I'm going to give number 19 of that Texas Blood a nine. And I'm going to give this one an eight and a half, the Christmas special an eight and a half. Hell yeah. And also, Roman, do a powerbomb. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah Dang, that, that, I gotta that was, catch up. That was one of those perfect ends to a series. I mean, just yeah. Is it where does it rank compared to Murder Falcon for you guys? I like Murder Falcon more. Okay, mm, boy, that's tough. I I might like this one a, just a tiny bit more, just a little bit, a scotch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just love that they're both like genres, like you know, wrestling and music tied with heartfelt writing and gorgeous art. Like he just manages to like tap into things in a hodgepodge of ways that not many other things come out with that kind of uh, array of appeal. Well, that's kind of like, 
that's the thing about I think a successful comic is you you can write a wrestling comic that is just a great character study. Yeah. And the wrestlers can go fight the devil and then they can go fight God and you can be completely ambivalent about wrestling wrestling, but those stories set you up for some really good character work. I think that's and, almost the appeal of wrestling wrestling is that like the wrestling portion isn't what's interesting, but it is this rife character ground, you know? Sure. And maybe those uh, WWE comics that Boom was putting out are excellent character pieces, but they don't interest me enough to crack the cover. Yeah. You know, and and all these other wrestling books that I have been reading have been by creators that are writing a book that's set in wrestling, not a wrestling book, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think there's only one thing left to do here today, you guys. What's that? Probably for me to do a buckshot, if you don't mind. I I think... I think you should, although I wanted to get your deep dive on Dark Crisis Warzone number one, if you wouldn't mind. I didn't read it. Okay, well, let's oh, move right well. on to your buckshot then. Oh. Kind of disappointed in you. I read a different dark book. Dark Crisis book? Dark web book. <laughs> well, tell us about it in your buckshot, I guess. I read both those. <laughs> Roman, will you tell us about Dark Crisis Warzone? Uh, sure. There's not much to tell. Um, it's bad. The first story, I like the first story just because yep. the art was pretty cool. And Shaggy Man's in it. And I like the Shaggy Man as a villain. They never Zoinks. use him anymore. But but he's just he's just a big old dumb villain. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know when it happened, but Wally West's wife, Linda, has super speed powers now. Oh. Yeah, that must have happened oh, in, in one of the other 300 one-shots of Dark Crisis that they've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, other than that, yeah, it's like Django said, it's... Not a whole lot here worth reading. <laughs> I was just trolling you, Jeff. <laughs> well, I was just trolling your ass, but listen, but listen, ah. I got a funk truck, funk, funk trunk of seconds, minute 30, go. Uh, I read the final issue of The Variance by Gail Simone and Phil Noto about Jessica Jones, and I just want to give a shout out. Mm-hmm. I think that series, um, while never being bad, was maybe not great at times, but I think it ended really, really well. I really yep. liked the writing, I really liked the character work, and I think it was a great example of showcasing uh, why Jessica Jones can be super, super cool without her superpowers. So big, big ups to that. Really liked it. I also read Dark Web. I am curious on Roman's thoughts on that. Um, it's the kind of big Zeb Wells book coming out right now. It's mostly Spider-Man and X-Men centered as far as I know, and Venom. I'm not interested in the Venom stuff because Venom really has been kind of a butt chug of a story lately. But, um, but yeah, I think it did really good stuff. Again, I'm interested in, in uh, Ben Riley being a real bad character. And him teaming with Madeline Pryor makes a lot of sense to me because they're both dejected clones. So I kind of love that story field. And then I also just want to mention Gargoyles came out this week. And I don't know how many people care about that franchise, but I was really, really into it as a kid. as a cartoon show. And uh, I got the cover that was the VHS tape cover that I had as a kid. Really, uh, really liked the show. It is written by the same people who wrote the show. So that's pretty cool. Hmm. But they, um, it's pretty wordy. And it mostly just this whole first issue is spent catching you up on what happened in all the show. There's a lot of character introductions in this. There's also a lot of gargoyles and people in relationships with one another. And I thought to myself, kind of interesting how romantic heavy this Disney property that's, oh, I'm hearing that. You hear that? Yeah, not super, super loud, but yeah. Um, Yeah, Disney property coming out from Dynamite. Interesting. I gave it the variance issue an 8.5, and I'm going to give that series an 8.5 too. I think that was that was good. It was a good book. I liked it. I'm going to give Dark Web an 8.0. I liked that also. And the end of it, cliffhanger was uh, that um, Venom comes back, but it's more like actual Venom. He's like about, he wants to go out and eat 
Peter Parker's brains. I was like, all right, sweet. That's my venom. <laughs> um, and uh, those are my scores. Did I? Oh, and Gargoyles, I gave a 7.0. It's a fun nostalgia trip, as those things often are. I question how great it will be. It's probably not something that I would want to keep reading issue by issue for that nostalgia. But I think there's lots of people who do want that. So if you liked Gargoyles, you should go for it. Are you getting all the covers? I got every single one, Django, down to nice. ZB. That's a that's a fuck chunk of covers. Hey, Roman, did you read Dark Web? And what did you think of it? When I, you inevitably answered, yes, you did. Um, I did read it. <clears throat> um, finding my score. What did I think of this thing? Uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, I wasn't super. Th- I'm having a little bit of, you know, big Marvel event burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all right. I was kind of, I, I was kind of excited to see classic Venom at the end because it's been a long time since we've seen him. Um, but the actual main villains. Uh, I like Hallow's Eve. I like Ma- Ben Riley. I, I like Hallow's Eve. I, I don't. I still don't care about Ben Riley, though. I like his costume. Um, and I don't care about Madeline Pryor either. So. That's going to take a work work to get wrapped <laughs> up in this story. Um, what did you give it? I already lost lost it. Um, I gave it a six. Okay, cool. Yeah, I gave web. it an 8.0. I liked it quite a bit, and it's going to be one of those ones called like an Alpha and an Omega issue, and then it bounces between Amazing Spider-Man and some other miniseries things, but it does seem pretty tied into the main Spider-Man story, so I like that, but I, I totally get where you're coming from. Can um, I give a shout-out to a comic? Yeah, yeah shout-out time, yeah. Anybody read Behold Behemoth number two? No. I liked it more than number one, I think. I liked number one. Yeah, I, th- I think this was a, a real solid comic. Hell yeah. Um, I Does it forgot. take place mostly in the uh, post-apocalyptic time? Mostly in the post-apocalyptic time with the guy trying to like take care of this kid who's got powers and doesn't keep her shit together super well. Um, and then just a couple of pages from before. And honestly, by the end of this one, I had completely forgotten that we had seen before. Um because I was so wrapped up in the, in the future world. Hmm. Uh, yeah, just good, good, really good world building. Nice. I, I mean, again, like I said, I liked the first one, so that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh boys. Boys, we've earned a nap for a couple of weeks. <laughs> three, three week nap. Can I ask uh, you questions? Yeah. Are you going to stop reading comic books in that time? No. Yeah. Hell no. Are you? No, hell no. Oh. I love comic books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I might read them on different days. I will absolutely <laughs> do that. I might even um, let them build up. I might have two issues in a row. Yeah, I mean, the part part of my reading schedule is if I can, I try to read some before Wednesday morning when we mm-hmm. when we have to have opinions about them, according to some people. Um, I've gotten but, kind of jaded on needing to do that at this point, because also with the podcast, I'm like, all right, I read four before open. That's I'm acceptable. I mean, yeah, I try to read, I try to read three or four number ones. Right. I don't, I don't try to read anything other than number ones on Tuesday night. Um, and we, we, I think do a pretty good job of flipping through them and, and thinking about them on Tuesday afternoon too, when we're doing oh, polls. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, Looking forward to maybe reading things in a totally different order, spreading it out a little bit, maybe reading a trade paperback. Mm, I only read Batman Snow and Batman Venom. Oh, those are so good, dude. I'm excited. So good. I um, think we should, I think you should, uh, maybe, maybe for the, our weeks off, we could talk about Batman Snow and Batman Venom. Yeah. Why take weeks off when we got weeks off? That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> um, gosh, it's going to be weird to not see you guys for three weeks or whatever, but I look forward to seeing you. When well, we, we can zoom together. without all these other chowderheads listening to us. That's true. Yeah. We could do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll hit the record button, but maybe <gasps> not. 
what if we went out for drinks on Friday nights instead? That'd be really fun. We oh, get Roman a little bit drunk. Go out in public? Leave my hovel? I don't know. Yeah, Roman. I'll get you a gin. I'll get you hey, two everybody, gins. Uh, if you want to hang out with us on Fridays while we're doing drink nights instead of podcasts, let us know. We'll be doing it. It's probably going to be Fridays. Please send us an email. Please send us an email like Will Elmer did. It's Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Send us a question. Send us a thought. Tell us what you're doing with your Christmas time off, who you're going to be seeing. Um, we adore all of you for listening and hanging out with us. And uh, yeah, uh, if you miss our voices, come see us at the comic shop because we'll be there. It's been getting real bonkers. This Wednesday was a real crazy time. It was fun. Um, but yeah, come in, hang out with us. It's a retail explosion. I would like to see someone challenge Will for the most call-ins in a row. I mean, Anyone, anyone out there. That's impossible, but if anybody even wanted to just call in and try and have an intro email to usurp his, that'd be pretty hilarious. Dude, what if... Nah, never mind. That's a terrible idea. All right. Well, on that (laughs) note, um, everyone, thanks for hanging out with us. I adore you all. I particularly adore you two boys, and I'll miss you in the next month or so, but I look forward to seeing you on on the return, except we'll be doing Friday nights together drinking, right? Um, So we'll see (laughs) all of you guys on Fridays for drinks. Love you all. Have a happy holidays. At Applebee's. Applebee's. Um, <laughs> and we'll be back in the second week of January. So yeah. thanks for being with us. We, we really love you guys. We'll miss you. And we'll be really excited to get back, I think, if I had to guess. I'm Django. I'm Junkie Boy. I'm Roman. Okay, new rule. Okay. Whoever uh, says it last has to have a question. Okay, Roman, what's your question? Oh, oh, um, I've been thinking is how you have to start it. Uh, well, I've been thinking. If you had to do like Fantastic Voyage and shrink down using the, the pim particles and go inside the vision, what part of his body would you want to like spend the most time in? What's a vision's balls like? See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>